AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. I don't know if I'd say I'm on edge necessarily. I'm doing air quotes right now. Um, The stock market. The, The stock market. It continues to rally while corn, soybeans, wheat continue to just kind of drift lower. I'd like to talk about the stock market, but from a commodities perspective. And of course, we got to get to the actual ag markets themselves. And with a little luck, we can provide some fodder for thought today. Live from a pecan sandy kind of day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, I will talk with Duane Bussey from Bolt Marketing. Directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm in for Chip. It's me, outstanding guestman Davis Michelson. Thank you so much for tuning in to AgriTalk this afternoon, everybody. I am fired up and ready to go. Uh, I've been talking to Duane kind of on and off all morning here, and I woke up this morning. Actually, I went to bed last night rolling some ideas around in my head that I just I'm not going to say I lost sleep over it, but I could have. I could have. Um, and so I woke up this morning and quick fired off an email to uh, Duane, who responded, dude, if we talk about all that stuff, it's going to be a two-hour show. Uh, he's not wrong. So we're going to have to trim it down somewhere. But uh, but I guarantee that, um, well, I don't know, guarantee. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I would love it if we could sort of start at the stock market because there's been all this talk all the money moving out of commodities, is it really going into the stock market? Are we seeing any signs of stock market fatigue? And really, I think maybe where I want to start is with, I don't know. I, and I don't want to put Dwayne in a, in, a, in a spot where he's not comfortable responding, and we'll be careful of that. Uh, but does the stock market like pay attention to the fundamentals? Like We're obsessed with export sales and things and the technicals in the grain markets. Um do the same things that drive the commodities also drive the stocks? And if so, is there something we can be looking out for? I don't know. You Maybe you, beloved listeners, already know the, the answers to this question and you're throwing tomatoes at your radio. That's fine. That's fine. I don't care for tomatoes. But I can take it because I feel like this is information that needs to be out there. And even if even if you're comfortable in this in this world talking about the stocks versus the commodities, I do believe that just opening up our minds, refreshing our thoughts on these concepts, uh, I think is may turn out to be extremely valuable in the coming weeks here. Uh, Dwayne Bussey's going to do his best to keep us out of the rhubarb, and I can't wait to talk to him. And then, of course, we've got Oliver Slope. Just as soon as I uh, finish up with the news here last week, Oliver was all hopped up on cattle. We're going to find out how he's feeling about the cattle market today, and then uh, we'll see where the conversation goes from there. But first... I've got information, including wheat futures, which continued lower but bounced off session lows thanks to pressure on the greenback. USDA projects 24.25 wheat planted acreage of 47.0 million acres with harvested acres. Hmm, this doesn't look right. At 86.6 million wheat planted at 47. Hmm, I'm going to have to check that number. A national average yield of 49.5 would produce a 1.9 billion bushel crop. 
March SRW futures found support at the Jan 18 low of 573 and a quarter. Resistance is layered at the 10, 20, 140 day moving averages. USDA also reported wheat export sales of 350,000 metric tons for the weekend of February 8. That's down 8% from the previous week and 25% below the four week average. March hard red winter wheat futures were 12 cents lower today, 575 and three quarters. March soft red wheat fell 18 and one half cents to 567. March spring wheat closed at 658, down four and one half cents today. And I guess my, you know, the exports were not that impressive this week. My question is, how close are we to becoming competitive on the global scene as an exporter? I think that's a valid question. In the corn news, corn futures fell to a fresh contract low. Despite supportive outside markets, USDA's initial look at 24-25 projects 91 million acres planted to corn and harvested acreage of 83.1 million on a national average yield of 181 bushels per acre. The International Grains Council raised its forecast for global corn production, but it also raised use. USDA reported corn export sales of 1.31 million metric tons during the weekend of Feb 8. That's up 7% from the previous week and up 13% from the four-week average. Still, March corn closed below support of 420 and a half. Fueling bearish sentiments. I mean, not just below. March corn futures six and a half cents lower, 417 and three quarters. May corn dropped seven and a half cents to 429 and three quarter. July corn futures closed at 439 and three quarters, down seven and one half cents today. I think the question on everybody's mind is how low must corn go? We need a bounce in here. Let's get this thing turned around. I don't know what it takes. Soybean futures fell to a multi-month low today because why not? Northern Brazil has been benefiting from drier weather the past few days, but a more active weather pattern is in the near-term forecast. USDA projects 24-25 U.S. soybean acreage of 87.5 million, harvested acres 86.6 million acres on a national average yield of 52.0 bushels per acre. USDA reported soybean export sales of 353,800 metric tons for the weekend of February 8. That's up 4% from the previous week, but down 23% from the four-week average. March soybeans have slid to the lowest level since June 1. Um, when I wrote this, prior support was at 11.62 and a half in the March. March beans were eight and one quarter lower at 11.62 and one quarter. I don't know if that counts as a SAS close, but we are one quarter of one cent below prior support. Uh, May beans down 10 and a quarter, 11.66. July, 11.75 and a quarter down, uh, 11 cents on the day. Wow. We're running out of time here. March cotton, 115 points higher. 94.63. Uh, we'll get to the cattles on the other side here, but first let me bring in Oliver Slope. Oliver from Blue Line Futures. Dude, you're all hopped up on the cattles last week. Uh, what do you, what do you think today? Oh, perhaps there is a giant resounding no on the Oliver Slope. All right, fair enough. We'll, we'll stick in here. I wasn't checking my thing here. Uh, let's do talk about that livestock news because fat cattle futures. Threatened a fourth consecutive day down, but managed to recover by the close on technical support, I guess. USDA reported net beef sales of 16,600 metric tons for 2024. That's down 19% from the previous week. USDA projected beef production of 26.19 billion pounds, down 3% from 2023. Beef exports projected to fall 8.3% from last year. April live cattle today, a buck sixty higher at one eighty five sixty. 
June futures scampered 75 cents higher to 181.87 and one half. And March feeders were 87 and one half cents higher at 247 and 10. And here's the thing when we're talking about, you know, I put in here that, okay, some technical features were uh, supporting the uh, the fat cattle futures today anyway. And let's not forget, man, I, I didn't even mention that lower corn price. That's something that sort of fell off my radar. I mean, you, you got lower corn, you got lower beans. You know, it it starts to starts to winnow away at the feed costs here, and and so that that may be playing a role as well. Uh, Dwayne Bussey did mention he wants to talk a little bit of cattle today. So, uh, despite uh, despite our <laughs> regrettably missing Oliver today, we'll still definitely get that cattle conversation in. And let's wrap it up with the hog futures, which posted follow through gains today with strong export sales providing support. April lean hog futures 47 and one half cents higher at 85 bucks on the snout. June hogs added 92 and a half cents to 97.70. All right, when we come back, I've got Dwayne Bussey. Um, the list is long. We'll try to keep it simple. That's more for my sake than for yours, beloved listener. But I've got some questions for Mr. Mr. Bussey. Um, I can't decide if I want to start at the stock market or if maybe. We should start at inflation and interest rates. Um, Alan Hoskins from American Farm Mortgage had an interesting comment this morning. Let's start with that. We'll start with that. AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. And welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Chip is on his way back from lovely Louisville, Kentucky, and the National Farm Machinery Show. A great time was had by all down there. Sounds like it was quite the deal. Uh, I know Chip will have lots to talk about. He's always so excited when he comes home from these things. Uh, He's giddy. You know, and it's great to see. It makes my heart warm. Uh, in the meantime, I've got a conversation with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing Chambered here. Let's bring him in. Dwayne, thank you so much for uh, for wading into these waters with me, brother. I appreciate you. How's everything? Oh, everything's great. Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. You're, uh, I have you up in uh, South Dakota, correct? Yeah, northeast part of the state, you bet. All right, talk to me about the weather. We can't we can't not be talking about the weather, you know. <laughs> right. Actually, it's been an awesome winter, probably one of the best ones I can ever remember. I'm only 3 miles from the North Dakota state line and oh, I've wow. got no snow. Um it's it's been a little tough ice fishing actually, believe it or not, <laughs> which is weird because we're this far up, you know. Last spring, Chip joked with me that 
while everyone was planting corn in Iowa, I was still ice fishing in, in right. April um, last year. So a little different this year. No, everything looks good right now. It's great. But it was actually true, though. Weren't you actually ice fishing while others were? I, I, I was. It was kind of funny. You know, yeah, yeah I think I listened to your guys' show and I sent him a picture. We kind of nailed the walleyes that day. And That's I was like, right. no, we're not planting corn. We're fishing. And he couldn't believe it for a while. So I did it the next day just to prove him wrong. So, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. Well, and, it, you know, OK, so so it's super fun to have a nice, warm February, uh, especially for you folks further up north. Um, I'm a little nervous. I'm looking, you know, I'm here in Kansas City. We were dry to begin with. Uh, it's awfully dry out there. Now, we generally don't don't rely on the snow melt quite as much down here. We rely on the snow to melt up in your area to help us out down here with our rivers and keep everything flowing up there. Uh, soil moisture, thoughts up there uh, in your area, Dwayne? I, we're fine here. We're, we're good. Okay. But, it, but you do have a good point. I mean, the, the last time... We were even remotely this dry was probably 2012, which ended okay for us. We had enough moisture, but but yeah, obviously Iowa, Illinois got dry and uh, commodity prices took off, which is kind of ironic to kind of mention that year and that because I remember where the co- commodities were at going into that. We we had large supplies and we were all bearish and you know very depressed. And once you get that way, Mother Nature tends to throw a curveball, and we're kind of in that same situation where these grain markets just keep plummeting lower every day, and it feels like we're in a big bearish cycle. But uh, we got a lot of growing seasons in front of us this year, Davis. So it's funny you sure. bring that up. Sure, absolutely. Well, let me uh, let me bring us to this question. Of all the things that we discussed discussing earlier this morning, this was not among them. Um, but Alan Hoskins from American Farm Mortgage was talking to Chip this morning on the show, and I thought he made a really interesting point. You know, they were talking about uh, the ag banks, bankers with that 80s experience. I mean, they're not going to be able to be here with us forever. Things are tricky now. Uh, as far as I understand, not as bad as the 80s, but, I mean, I feel like we might need some of their experience coming up here. <laughs> are, are we on the cusp of what might be termed a modern farm crisis in retrospect one day? Well, I, I think it's possible, um, you know, to, to have a farm crisis, say, I mean, what you're going to need is depressed commodity prices for several years in a row. And that's at the opposite. If Mother Nature throws us finally a near perfect growing season, we raise a 185 corn yield. Well, we mm-hmm. already know from the acres we're estimating that would be a serious problem. So, yeah. yeah, that combined with, you know, a CPI number last week that showed that interest rates should stay higher for longer yeah, I mean, we sure could be at the cusp of that. Um, I kind of hope not. I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I'm not that old. I didn't farm through the '80s, but I, I remember yeah. my dad. He <laughs> through yeah. the '80s. Same. He wasn't really thrilled then, so I don't think I want to do it either. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Hoskins made the point that through through some of these these uh, rougher waters, maybe we could call them inflation, higher interest rates, you know, narrowing profit margins. Uh, he almost mm-hmm. talked about it like perhaps an opportunity for farmers. Uh, to become more savvy using financial instruments and to to maybe branch out and think, okay, well, maybe my marketing plan needs to look just a little bit different given current conditions. Would you say that's fair? Oh, that that's a hundred percent accurate. I mean, it the the store and ignore needs to kind of go away. Um, and sadly, it didn't this fall, but I bet you it does next fall. You know, there's interest charges on this and storage charges. And normally you can get the market to rally off of harvest lows, right? Well, we got the exact opposite this year. And 
I got caught up with too much supplies myself on my farm too, but no, you're going to have to, if you've got a big line of credit loan with a high interest rate, say 9% plus, you got to factor that in when storing this grain and when selling pre-harvest, um, cash is king. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to get to that. Um, but before I'm going to rather ham handedly change gears here, um, really smart friend of mine made this and i'm sure you've probably heard this before the stock market is like a yo-yo on an escalator over time generally higher day to day it'll make you crazy um we're we're seeing i'm hearing people just keep talking about the money that's moving to the stock market and away from the commodities um mm -hmm. i guess i don't i i don't know how i would recognize if if it's all run out, if there's stock market fatigue that at some point is going to jump in here and flip the script, and now we got money coming out of the stocks and going into the commodities, I'm just I'm just wondering if we – it feels foolish to compare the stock market and the commodities as apples and apples. I'm just wondering if you can help me get my head around this. It No, it's a great question. It, yeah, I, I think I was like many people years ago thought, okay, it's the stock market's due for a pullback here, and – thought it was going to and then we just started printing more money and now it feels like the stock market will never crash ever ever again it only goes up and it's like right. eh, that's probably what you say right before it does crash so mm -hmm. it it's very interesting i think what can tie the two together commodities and the stock market is maybe like the index funds uh, they're the ones that when they buy our commodities they only go long they got out of all those long positions almost all of them when the interest rates started to drop and plummet. Mm -hmm. And now when they shot, well, I'm sorry, they, they did it when the interest rates shot up and they're starting to buy again. So I think that means I think interest rates are going lower, but with last week's CPI number, and now it looks like higher interest rates for longer, maybe those index mm -hmm. funds don't buy, but I think we need the interest rates to drop back down for those index funds to maybe that money to leave the stock market and come back in a commodity. So that's kind of one way I can tie the two together. Yeah, yeah. Um you know, and, you know, sometimes both corn and cattle move higher in the same day. I'm sure it's possible, at least on a short-term basis, for the stock market and for the commodities to uh, to serve us all equally. Mm -hmm. But as a, as a broader trend, I think, is it pretty safe to say they move in opposite directions? I, in general, Is that overgeneralized? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right there. I mean, you're right. Say the stock market starts pulling back. Um, say we finally do get to the point of like, you know, inflation's really bad and the stock market starts to go, th that money that leaves won't just sit on the sidelines with inflation right. still high. You need to be making money. You can't just sit on it. Um, you know, bank savings accounts aren't that high yet, but they've gotten better. So they'll look for a place to go. And if you exit the stock market right now, and let's say corn's down to $3.99 on the board, I know we're not quite there yet, but I think we're headed there. Um, that's going to look fairly cheap, especially with a full growing season in front of you. So maybe you start buying some commodities. I, at least that's what I hope happens this summer, Davis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and we've we've already seen some index funds showing up as buyers too, haven't we? Yes, exactly. To my point, the index funds, I think, are starting to buy it, it which, you know, they're long only. So they yeah. are starting to feel like there's value in these lower commodity prices. And our export sales kind of show that too. Corn, you know, for the last four out of five weeks, corn exports have been pretty good problem is we still have so much corn it's not like we're going to run out or the price has to go higher so it's not scaring the managed money funds out of their short positions by any means right now mm -hmm, mm 
Uh, just one more thing real quick before we leave the stock market discussion. We'll get to the markets on the other side of the break here. we got about a minute left, Dwayne. Um, let's talk about going electronic. Stocks went electronic before the grains did as far as the trading goes, but is I mean, human emotion must certainly still have its way in the pits to a degree. I th well, I think to the degree that these computers and algorithms trade off of our human emotion anymore, I think. Good, yes. You know, yep. They know us farmers want to buy corn and we're trying to buy it back. We're frustrated with this price. And I think they know that if they push it down a little bit more, we'll finally puke and give up. And that tends to be the low of the market, sadly. Um, uh -huh. So it is interesting how it's changed. You know, it used to be in the pits, you know, you knew who was buying. So then you could have an idea of of why they're buying. You know, now you have no clue other than it's a computer on the other end. So it really does change the demand, um, the setup we have, but it's here to stay, right? So I, well, there's sure. nothing I can do about it. Well, yeah. And I guess maybe that we can put a bow on this conversation by you know, taking that back to inflation and interest rates and banking and all this sort of stuff. Are, are these things giving opportunities for farmers to become more savvy on uh, a, a new way to do things or at least a new way to think about things? Dwayne Bussey is my guest today from Bolt Marketing all the way up in South Dakota, almost to North Dakota. He's way up there. Uh, great conversation about the stock market and uh, money movement and, and so forth. We're going to get down to the brass tacks uh, I believe we'll start with corn here. How low does corn have to go? We'll see what Dwayne thinks next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Let's click on over to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. For March, hard red winter wheat futures were 12 cents lower at 5.75 and three quarters. March SRW wheat down 18 and a half to 5.67. Wow, 18 and a half, man. March corn futures six and one half cents lower, 4.17 and three quarters. May corn dropped seven and one half cents to 4.29 and three quarters. March beans eight and one quarter cents lower today, 11.62 and a quarter. May beans slid 10 and one quarter cents lower to 11.66. Hey, March cotton 115 points higher today, 94.63. On your cattle's April live cattle a buck 60 higher, 185.60. March feeders 87 and one half cents higher, 247 and 10. April lean hog futures 47 and one half cents higher at 85 bucks on the snout. Get more market news every market day. Visit tribeprofarmer.com.
Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everyone. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk in Chip's stead. He is sojourning toward his own bunker. He'll be back tomorrow morning for the Friday free for all. Looking forward to that. I think we've got the gang back together, actually, tomorrow morning. Everybody's been traveling so much. Um, once again, welcome back to AgriTalk. Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing is my guest today. Um, Dwayne, let's let's talk a little bit uh, corn market here. Let me just pull from my own news commentary. March corn closed below support at 420 and a half, fueling bearish sentiments. March corn futures closed today, 417 and three quarters. They didn't just sneak below that support, did they? No, yeah, really kind of an ugly trade today. You know, after yeah. the Outlook Forum numbers came out, we we settled a little bit, rallied back. and But then the problem is that, that report didn't give the shorts any any reason to be concerned about being short. In fact, that made them maybe more confident to continue to sell. And what I mean Oof. by the shorts, those managed funds that mm-hmm. I think I've heard Chip say before, they have to stop selling first so we can find a bottom. And he's he's very right, right about one. that. Yeah. Yeah, and not today. <laughs> it should really sum it up well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I mean, do we do we have to hang a three handle on this thing to uh, to make it scary enough? Oh, it's funny you mentioned that, and I did kind of tease that in the last segment. I'm getting really good at this radio thing. You, you oh yeah, the next it's awesome, segment, right? Yep, I'm really coming around here. We've done this for what ten years. We should, we should be getting better at it, but. Uh, uh, I, I kind of do. Now, I just threw that out there. It's just kind of a crazy number. Um, like I said, the, the computers and algos kind of tend to trade off our human emotion anymore. And uh, I, I know just being a farmer myself and a lot of other farmers, you know, a lot of them have bought March corn back trying to buy the sold bushels that they sold that they want a better price for uh, because we're used to higher prices, right? But 417 relatively maybe isn't a bad price. But I feel like this market's job or the algos job right now is to get the bulls out of the market, um, get us to where we all give up. We all are bearish. And, you know, sometimes these markets bottom and the news is the most bearish. And I kind of wonder if like a 399, 398 handle would sure do that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'll say that I, I'm afraid we see a three before these funds are done selling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, USDA put that 181 number out there. They're convinced that one day we're going to get there, aren't they? <laughs> I, oh you want to get everyone stirred up on twitter this afternoon oh, let's yeah i mean I, up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's get it going yep you know just throw out the you know what is that three or four uh bushels above last year's record yeah, yield but never mind but that. it is a trend line i mean if, if i'm doing their job i'm going to throw the same number out there um you want to get really bearish and everyone torqued off i mean to me i think we're kind of due for something above trend line you know a, what if we put a 185 out there you know then then we can start talking go back to the first segment on the farm crisis we talked about again oh jeez yeah yeah well and we have had discussions about you know what happens with these modern genetics if we get you know really oh. good growing conditions across most of the corn belt i mean imagine that everybody gets good rains timely rains gets it all done at the right time you know all that sort of stuff. I think you're you're absolutely right. I think there's potential to to exceed that yield number. Boy, I, I think we got to at least consider it. You know, we talked earlier about the weather up here in in South Dakota. You know, no snow. Um, a lot a lot of times for me farming up here actually it, precip in the spring has been our Achilles heel. We can't get everything planted on time. 
right now it looks great. What, what if North and South Dakota plant more corn acres because it's nice and warm come springtime? And then, you know, uh, yeah, no, we're not going to yield awesome numbers like, you know, the guys in Illinois, but we can still, the genetics have really changed up here too. Yeah. What if we increase the acres a little bit and raise a 185? Um, you right. know, then we go back to some of what you guys have been talking about. We'll be low enough. Hopefully we can get new demand started with some aviation fuel or something because our ending stocks are going to be above 2.6 billion if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, looking out, how, how, how far sold do you like to see people on new crop corn at this point? Uh, more than myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, this is very confessional today. Let it all out, Dwayne. <laughs> I, I really am, Arna. You can tell I'm a pretty honest guy that just that spills it I out. I love that, it. You know, we know we haven't sold hardly any new crop. Just didn't really like the price, if I'm being yeah. honest. Now, looking back, you know, when, when people were questioning it in December, I, I really wish we would have now. But let me say this, though, too. Um, I don't think the funds have ever gone a full year staying short the market well if i think the funds go record short say three hundred thousand short to get us to 399 that's a lot of short positions to get out of if we have a weather scare so mm. i guess you know at 456 i don't have any old i wish i did but i'm going to be patient um you know we're in almost the bear most bearish time of the year davis we got the outlook form you know yeah. they're going to throw in a trend line yield everything's fine that's not the way it's going to go, though. We'll have scares, yeah. and when we do, sure. we have to be aggressive selling it. Okay, I like that. Yeah, be ready to take advantage of opportunities. Um, mm -hmm. In the soybean market, does a quarter cent below support count as broken support? We're at 1162 and a quarter. We just broke through 1162 and a half. Do we count it? <laughs> well, I think we do, and here's why. Because... Uh, the trade action is maybe even more important than that technical okay. indicator. And the trade action is just bearish right now. It's just, we talked earlier about the path of least resistance. And yeah, I I think your next support is 1145, which is the contract lows. And I think, I think we got to go try test that before March goes off the board here. And at that point, I, I hope the funds are short enough and maybe the mm -hmm. stock market starts going the other way. Maybe, maybe we can start to get a rally at that point. You know, our soybean situation, Davis, is still fairly tight domestically. The, the problem is, is it's, it's getting a little bit bigger instead of getting tighter. So we're not, we don't have to ration demand, but we don't have a ton of soybeans. I mean, if we don't plant the increased acres of soybeans, like USDA forecast this morning, it's going to stay tight. So yeah. I, there, I'm even more bullish the soybean market longer term than I am corn. Short term, still very bearish though. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I do want to make sure we get to the cattle. But if I'm looking at the March soybean contract at 11.62 and a quarter, I look at the July at 11.75 and a quarter, and then we fall all the way back down below 11.50 to 11.47 and three quarters. Does this spread set up tell you anything? Uh, it tells me that I, I don't quite understand it and I don't get it. Yeah. I, you know, to me, November beans, if let's go out that far around that 11.41 area, that needs to buy those acres. Now, USDA says we're going to get them, and maybe they're right, but that price isn't helping. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I think that needs to change a little bit. You know, yeah, the, the carry is coming down here today, but I think November beans really have support and why I'm not really interested in selling new crop at this level. Yeah, okay. How much new crop you would do you recommend having out there now sold already? Same answer. Well, a little bit more than, than you do? A little bit more than my farm. I, I would recommend that. <laughs> um, 
Well, you know, Davis, we're getting to the point, if you did sell a lot of soybeans before, let's just say somebody did, I'm getting to the point where I almost wanted to buy them back here. Once we get mm -hmm. to 11.45 on March, I'd say be buying back November, especially if it's at this lower price yeah. than the nearby. It doesn't make sense to me that way. So um, I'm getting bullish. No, I don't want anything sold. That's a really interesting play. I like that a lot. I'm glad you said that. Um, you did also mention that, uh, you know, Oliver was all hyped up on cattle last week, and then we were unable <laughs> to make the connection with him this morning, so I have no idea how he's feeling about it this week. But um, I, from what I'm gleaning from our conversation, you might be slightly bullish cattle yourself. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm very bullish that cattle market, too. And yeah, I, it's hard not to be. Okay, we've talked a lot about the funds and their positions. You know, in the grains, they're they're nearing record short, right? Well, let's just look at the setup from last year. The funds were near record long in the cattle market. Maybe it was record. I can't remember right off the top of my head. But we had this big crash, right? This like $50 pullback per hundredweight. That was mostly funds just exiting all those long positions. They never really did go short. They just kind okay. of go flat cattle. They've started to buy that back, Davis, because the fundamentals look good again, right? The cattle inventory report showed that we have less cattle than a year earlier. So with the funds having this much buying ability yet, I, I kind of feel like we can go back and test last year's highs in cattle. At least we can have that conversation. Now, before it gets up there, I will be hedging and recommending guys to protect profits out in deferred contracts. But yeah, no, I'm very bullish this market. I, cash cattle sounds like they're coming in around steady money today, but... I think next week they can be higher. Um, from USDA here, they projected beef production at 26 point, call it two, 26.2 billion pounds. That'd be down 3% from 2023. But beef exports projected to fall more than 8% from last year. Um, mm -hmm. a, a combination of factors there, maybe tighter supplies leading to higher prices, leading to exporters maybe more willing to buy this mystery meat from India instead. <laughs> Mystery meat. I like that. Um, yeah. No, you're right, Davis. The, the thing is, I, I think we haven't got to that price level that that happens yet a lot. But you're right. That's that's why even though I'm bullish, um, I need producers to not listen to just just the fact that I'm bullish. Once we get up to these higher prices, economics just takes over. Um, we'll import more beef here. We'll export less, especially with the dollar train the way it is. So, And that's why in the deferred months, I will be protecting them eventually. Yeah. Boy, it'd be nice if uh, if maybe pork could get a little bit of that demand. Well, they did this morning, Davis. Man, weekly yeah. export sales were fabulous for pork. And I wonder if the market didn't know that was coming yesterday a little bit. Uh, China mm -hmm. in there buying a lot of our pork, even though they're on a holiday, I guess. Somebody's working over there. That's good. Somebody's doing something. Yeah, clearly. Um, Dwayne, this has been a, been a terrific conversation for uh, for our listeners here and for me as well. If people want to get more information about you, they're, they're just interested in what you have to say, where can they find more info? Yeah, if they want to know whenever I finally start selling new crop, they can call <laughs> me directly here at 605-448-2365, or they can always check us out online at boltmarketingllc.com. Boltmarketingllc.com. Uh, Dwayne, I understand you're off to a, uh, to a junior high basketball game, eh? Yes, that's right. Got a seventh grade boy playing basketball. And, you know, you mentioned how awkward junior high basketball was. Boy, back when I played, every time I touched the ball, I would fall over because my feet weren't catching up with my body. <laughs> Luckily, he's a lot better than I am. <laughs> you and me both, brother. Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing. Thanks so much for your time today, sir. Wish you the best at the game. When we come back, uh, I'll have a few words, a little cleanup from this morning's news. Ooh, and I've got some fresh 
steaming hot fertilizer numbers for y'all. Check it out on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. I don't know if there's time for all that. I got a lot to, got a lot to get in here this last segment. Uh, I'm hoping we can... We can do that, man. What a great conversation with Dwayne Bussey from uh, from Bolt Marketing. Uh, always good, always good. I appreciate him kind of veering from our usual sort of stuff. Well, you you listeners know how I like to do that. I'll, I'll kind of bring in a topic that maybe we don't talk about a whole lot, or we'll start super broad on something. But uh, he was really, really bringing it with the uh, the corn and soybean analysis too. So it was a it was a great conversation. Um, I I don't know how many people have heard outside of the Kansas City area here um but there was a unfortunately a tragic shooting yesterday uh, after the super bowl parade and it was really sad um i i don't know a ton of details about it other than there there was at least one who unfortunately did not survive the incident so um if y'all are praying folk uh, prayers for those like 20 some injured um and everybody was having such a great time it was right at the end everybody's trying to go to their cars and get home safely and you know, go on about their, oh, hello, remember, it was Valentine's Day. Um, imagine being involved in something like that on Valentine's Day and coming out. You know, terrible. Uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, to all those folks. And, uh, you know, go, go Chiefs, hang in there, everybody. In uh, another thought that I had here was to share some fresh numbers on fertilizer with you because uh, I think we're headed higher, gang, and I, I don't like – what I'm looking at these uh, these numbers are out. Um, we'll get fresh numbers later on this afternoon, and so we'll we'll have to see what those give us. But from earlier on in February, the uh, the numbers look like this: anhydrous ammonia in uh, Iowa and Illinois. Remember, I'm using USDA's numbers. They come out every two weeks, and they do Iowa and Illinois. So I average those two, and I call it a Midwest average. There I go with those air quotes again. Uh, so in Iowa, they reported uh, anhydrous ammonia at an average of 737.60 per short ton. In Illinois, during the same time, they pegged NH3 at 785 per short ton. Put together, that's 761.30 for an average there, up $3.83 on the week. We are slowly sneaking higher on anhydrous gang, and I know a lot was put down in the fall. Um We'll just have to see what ha- what happens here. We're getting some lower natural gas prices, and I don't know. I'm conflicted as to whether or not 
to the degree to which natural gas prices influence actual retail fertilizer values, particularly nitrogen, and as well on uh, on phosphates. There, I, I I'm just not real sure. I I don't. If somebody's telling you to count on lower natural gas prices to become a panacea in the fertilizer markets, I would be careful and maintain your your current course rather than veering too deeply into the rhubarb. I'm looking at DAP here now, reported at uh, an average of 741.89. That's up $10.22 from the previous report. MAP up uh, $7.83 to 808.63. DAP and MAP is a they're tricky ones. The, the whole phosphate market is kind of a mess, especially on the global side. China's circled the wagons on phosphates. Morocco's finding other other people to play with. Uh, Russia, with the Russia stuff. We do have domestic production, and some in South America. There are others. But let's hope that, that phosphates don't get tight on us here. Vitamin K, your potash. I've got Iowa at 550.20, Illinois at 519.58. For an average of 534.89, that's up 435 from USDA's most recent report. The UANs have been a little spooky to me. Uh, 28% not so much. That's that's at 374.22 in this report. That's up just four cents. That's okay. We can live with that. Uh, it's 32% that that had really concerned me because it's gone so many weeks, and I didn't go back and and do the homework and count how many weeks UAN 32 has been a no bid, um, which. To me, it just sort of sounds like we don't, I don't know what it's. We don't know. We don't even know. Um, I was afraid that that would mean a price spike. We're up six fifty here, as UAN comes in with a price update on the board at three seventy eight fifty per short ton. Um, not too bad there when compared um, by the pound of N to NH three. Urea is looking the most overpriced of the uh, of the nitrogen new products. Excuse me. Um, we're in Iowa, 589.33. We're in Illinois, 526.44. A Midwest average reported by USDA of 557.87 per short ton. That's up $14.59. Well overpriced compared to anhydrous ammonia. In fact, um, on an apples to apples basis, hey, I said that twice in today's show. Huh. And it's weird. I had an orange for breakfast. On an apples to apples basis, urea, everybody else is overpriced compared to NH3. And when I've seen this before, it pulls NH3 higher. I'm afraid that's there's there's just the risk of that there. Farm diesel is up three cents on the week. Um, USDA tagged it at 2.95 in Iowa, 3.11 per gallon in Illinois. Once again, that hits us at 3.03 for an average, up three cents on the week. It stuck at at three bucks for for almost a month there. Gave us some opportunities. And LP uh, unchanged. Woohoo! At 158, I think this uh, that surprises exactly no one, given the weather that we've had. It's been warm enough. Home heating demand has been less. I mean, we were just talking to a guy clear up on the North Dakota border, uh, who doesn't. The snow isn't what it used to be. It's warm. Farmers from all over the country, uh, and even up into the north, there are reporting very warm temperatures. Duh, we've been talking about it forever. It's warm here too. Um, so you know, natural gas supplies obviously would build in that scenario Uh, but again don't expect lower natural gas prices to be a panacea for for fertilizer prices geez i sure hope that it is and that it puts some pressure on production margins and all that sort of stuff or you know widens production margins and and what have you i don't know whatever the good thing is i want that to happen (laughs) 
in the in the uh, fertilizer markets. Let me see if USDA or if the National Weather Service has updated. Here we go. Yes, the six to ten day temperature outlook. We've got above normal temperatures everywhere except basically Florida. We're near normal down the eastern seaboard. We're near normal around Los Angeles. There's a big red spot over the panhandle, uh, panhandles of Texas and and Oklahoma. There going to be hot. Uh, six to ten day precip. Um, on the far left and far right corners, we've got above average precipitation expected and near normal uh, in the center of the uh, of the country. Basically, same type of deal for the eight to fourteen day temperature outlook. Still above normal. Um, some of the uh, some of the precipitation widens into the eastern Corn Belt. There. Uh, thanks to my guest Dwayne Bossy uh, for being on the show today. Man, I I feel smarter. Um, Chip will be back in the morning. For the Friday Free For All, it's your pal, Davis Michaels. And thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate you.